Don't don't be so sensitive. You're the one who shows up, you know, uh, last minute here. Uh, you know, I'm a Tom Coughlin guy, uh, Chris Liss. You know, unless you're five minutes early, you're late for the meeting. I was early, though. And and it's true. You can't be perfectly on time because you'd have to get it to an infinitesimal on timeness. So you must be early, right? Because you can't be on time. It's impossible. If you're on time, you're early. And then the question is how much? But I've never been late. And I was here. I was cool. The problem was that I had set my default browser to Firefox, which isn't good for StreamYard. And I did it for some other tech reason. And then I didn't realize that. So when I opened it up, it was in the wrong browser and I had to reset it. And then there's another tech thing that happened while I was doing that. And then I had to fix that. But I was still on time. So yeah, um, that that rationale is hard. That's my dog ate my homework, just so you know. But anyway, this is uh... no, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I am like clockwork. I never miss. I never miss a deadline. Yeah, that's true. Now you were on time and, you know, for decades, you uh, you, you got everything out on time for Rotowire as well. But what I want to do today um, for this Rotowire podcast is I want to do a first pass. A lot of people are out of their playoffs. Some people that, you know, there's very few people in your league that are in their playoffs, but we're already looking towards next year. I know you don't go crazy with the best ball, but we're already getting requests for best ball rankings, which will be live in, in February on a lot of the software. So let's do a two round mock draft first, and then we'll get into our usual you know, week 16 stuff, maybe some other stuff at the end. Uh, but how does that sound? Like a two-round mock draft. Yeah, it's fine. But we're going to do like NFSC style, right? That's the that's yeah, well, the three reason. Well, three receivers and a flex, one quarterback. Yeah. Full PPR. One, right? Full PPR. Right. And, the, um, and the other piece of it is you're not building a team. So like if you're picking – I'm going to pick first. So you're going to pick second. And just because you're picking fourth, that's not your team. You're picking right. as if you're each individual right. manager. We're, there's 12 separate teams. Okay, so three receivers and a flex, tight end, non-premium, just single PPR and single quarterback. So let's go through this exercise. We can kind of flesh out where we are. And this is a first pass. I love you always talk about let's go back to our rankings that we had first, because then when we get polluted by ADP and the market noise, that sometimes this is a better indicator of what we're going to what we should be drafting like. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's your it's your true beliefs about the, the situation before anything changes. All right. You like how I've I've been listening to you long enough where I am able to regurgitate. You, that was a word that you uh, fought fighting with someone on Twitter about today. Regurgitate. Not fighting. Just asking them, you know, if they're going to comment, like just have an original thought in your mind. You know, like I know I know what's on the TV. I'm not interested yeah. in it. No. We'll, we'll hit that at the end because yeah, yeah. I have some thoughts on that. And we're, um, that, that'll be uh, list fighting with people on X. So always right. entertaining. All right. I'm going to pick first. Uh I don't care. He's 28 years old. I just want to take Christian McCaffrey. Um, it, I'll if he if he goes down because he's 28 years old, or if he doesn't, if he's not even like if he's 75 percent of himself, that's good enough for who he is, who he's been. He's a Iron Man this year. We had a couple years where he was getting hurt, and I was like, I wouldn't even take him in the first round. So first pick off the board next year, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, this year it's like, that's it, right? Like if you got him, you probably won your league. If you didn't, the guy who got him probably won the league. I mean, he's just the guy. And then with Tyreek Hill getting hurt two weeks ago and out last week for the first round of the playoffs, um, you know, McCaffrey going crazy in the first round of the playoffs. That's the guy. I mean, obviously getting like most hurt or Rashad White later helped a lot of people, but McCaffrey was the pick to have in, in this year, like complete uh, out of all the picks. So I'm going to just go and take, I think, well, if I have to pick now, right now, this moment, and I don't know, don't know what's going to happen, I'll take CeeDee Lamb because, because Justin Jefferson's you know been banged up this year and then there's whether Cousins stays or not. CeeDee Lamb is just you know that he's a first-round pick now 
and he's what, like 25 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and he's never really been hurt. So give me CD lamb. Yeah. I'm just seeing if there is a way to, uh, get the scroll going on. I know there is on Streamyard. Um, just give me one second here. Uh, by the way, in the comments, uh, what do you think about that CD lamb pick? If you, uh, have any disagreement or where do you think CD lamb should go? Uh, we want to hear about that. Okay. I think I have, I have this figured out here. I was just killing time. So let's go. Tell me if you think this is a useful thing for the people watching on the screen. You like yeah, this? Good. Yeah. Let's take okay. CD lamb second. That's right. Okay. All right. I, uh, I'm going to assume Kirk cousins comes back. Uh, even you can't, if, you can't, well, that's what I'm saying. This is my pick. Oh, so right. I'm going to pick whoever you want. If we're oh, picking your, right now, in your mind, right? But he may not. He yeah. may not. But this with Addison not. and Jefferson, he probably will come back. Yes, and even if it's if he's coming back, and, and Hawkinson, I mean that's a pretty good setup for him. There you go. And even if it's like week six, he's coming back. Week seven, Nick Mullins obviously is fine, right? Or whoever the next Nick Mullins is, they're going to find right. someone like that right. to bridge. As long as it's not like Mitch Trubisky, like what would be a situation in Minnesota where you would just be like, Oh my God, I can't take Jefferson in the top three. Yeah. It would be Trubisky, Mason Rudolph. It doesn't really matter. The Steelers have both of them, but someone who's beneath the threshold, you okay. know, even if it was like Tyrod Taylor or something like that is good enough. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to assume if we're drafting today that the Vikings see the upside here of, of solidifying quarterback. I like their coach enough to know he was a ex quarterback himself. So Justin Jefferson for me, I'm taking a pick two at three pick three. You're up on the clock at pick four. Yeah, I will take Tyreek. I mean, you know, he's a year older, but obviously he didn't slow down this year. And the guys who are like 5'10", 185 are usually good into their early 30s. You know, it's the big guys who um, get kind of too much. They get too banged up. Um, so give me Tyreek Hill at four. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, a good pick there. And, and by the way, in a lot of drafts, Tyreek Hill is going to go number one overall. Like I, I could easily see it, right? You know, he's only missed one game. The situation should be presumably the same, right? I mean, there's nothing going to really change there. Yeah. And McCaffrey's the running back. McCaffrey has all the risk. So yeah, I could see him going one. I mean, I could see Jefferson going one if cousins, you know, once that's, you know, locked up. Is this the, okay. Well, the next obvious pick, I think is Jamar chase. Would you agree there? I'm going to take yeah, him. That's, I, I could have taken him instead of him. I mean, he's younger, you know, but yeah. Okay. So, if okay, I lost a. So, if are this is this the top five then in all formats? Like, I think there's two other players that could sneak in. Uh, I think AJ Brown and uh, although uh, no table talk, no oh, table okay. talk. Well, I, I just think those are the next two. I mean, so <laughs> so, so I think they could sneak. I think they could sneak in, but to this five, like Lamb or one of those guys. I mean, I'd rather have Lamb, but it's not like you know. All right, so pick. Pick six. You're all, just to review. Anyone listening on the podcast, CMC went first to myself. Chris List selects CD Lamb. Little surprise there, but it makes a lot of sense at number two. Uh, Justin Jefferson goes at three in our 2024 mock. Tyree Kill off the board at four. I took Jamar Chase at five. You're up on the clock. Pick six in the NFFC or three receivers and a flex PPR league. Who are you taking? I'll take AJ Brown. I think he should have more touchdowns. He's really you know slowed down the last few weeks when. Hertz has not done much the last few weeks, but I still believe in the offense and they really only have three pass catchers in that whole offense. They don't even throw to the backs that much. Yeah. And AJ he, Brown is still a monster in his prime. He's wide receiver four on the year. And again, you know, you, you used to say it with Julio Jones, right? At the end of the year, you're going to get 
the the fifteen hundred yards and the you know six touchdowns. Of Julio ten ten for AJ Brown usually. Right, but I'm saying with Julio, I'm yeah, saying like right. you knew you knew what the stats were. You know it's going to be an up and down road. It, it's you're not going to worry about a couple down weeks because you're going to you know get vaulted with a couple weeks. Yeah. All right, I, I heard you kind of spoil it, but are you finally down with Amon Rob St. Brown as a mid first round pick? I mean, I would only because it's so shaky. I mean, I, again, he's got six touchdowns this year, right? And he'll probably get like seven or eight at the end. I'd take him. Yeah, I would take him next. It's just like every week he gets his, you know, seven for 95 and a touchdown or half a touchdown or 100 yards. I mean, he's always he's always getting the targets. He's reliable. He's good. So, yeah, I would take him. Ah uh, man, I, we should have made some sort of bet here too. I mean, because you know this this was a major uh, diff, uh, splitting point for us. I would have given. Off- I would have said under seven touchdowns. I would have done. I would have definitely taken the under on that. Yeah, the I was going to oh. say returns top eight value or something like that. You know, forget the touchdowns. Because the thing it, is, he's really good for that kind of a bet because you know, Peak Landry was definitely a top eight receiver. It, it, it's like it's that the ceiling, and I think I was kind of right about this. Not I wasn't right about saying he should go early second. He should have gone first this year. But, but I was right in the sense that like, I just don't think there's a 12 touchdown, 1500 yard season in Amon Ra. I think there's, you know, a hundred catch, you know, 12, 1300 yard, eight touchdown season in him. And very likely, like he's got a really high floor because he gets so many targets. He's so reliable, but I don't think he has like a ceiling, like some of the top guys. Yeah. Which is why he doesn't go in the top five. Like he's clearly in this next tier. Yeah. All right. So, oh, so, so you, you took so you took him at seven. That's uh-huh. the, okay. Yep. Um, so at eight, I'm looking at this. I mean, the obvious pick, I think, would be another receiver, but you could start looking at some of these running backs. I guess I'll probably because it's so ugly. I'll probably take Stephon Diggs, still the number one in Buffalo, and still productive most weeks. I, I don't think I can I can pivot to any of these other running backs yet. Uh, I I don't think Diggs is going to end up being a first round pick when we look back at this. He could be. He could be. I think that this is he. It hasn't been the same, right? Like, uh, let me see. Right now, maybe I'm wrong. Let me. I'm just thinking. Okay. Oh, no, nine, right. 90, 91 per thousand and eight touchdowns. He is his per play numbers have really dipped this year. But two years ago, he had seven point five yards per target. This year, seven point six. And then the two years in, in you know intermediate years. In 2020, 2022, he had nine plus yards per target. So I don't know that this is really his skill set. I think it might be, um, you know, Josh Allen in the passing game and has been a little bit um, erratic. It's not, I don't think it's really Diggs falling off that much. All right. Well, I, I'm now I'm going to make another assumption. Um, and that is that Aaron Rodgers comes back and is at least 65 to 75% of them of, you know, what we've seen. And that should be good enough to get Garrett Wilson uh, first round value. I mean, he's basically buoyed himself at pick nine uh, to, I mean, top 24 value with the worst of the worst conditions, right? I mean, it's no no one, no one that's not any receiver that's not elite could not survive in this environment list. Yeah, I, I, I could have taken what I forgot about him for a second. Uh, I could have taken him over Diggs too. Uh, the thing is Rogers at 40 Rogers wasn't good two years ago in green Bay. He's going to be 40 um, playing for the jets. I mean, coming off the Achilles. I, I mean, I, the, the idea that he's just going to somehow be good still, he could just be done. You know, Peyton Manning was done at one point. He was just done. You know, he, he put him out there and like, he wasn't generating uh production for receivers anymore. So 
uh, yeah, I think that's a big question mark, even if he is back. Let me ask you this. If, do you think the Jets, okay, let's say Rodgers is healthy and they like what they see. They notice like a little, you know, little difference, but also he's one of these cerebral quarterbacks who could figure out the deep, what they're doing before they do it. That is an advantage there. Do you think that they'll take better care of the backup quarterback position this year? Next uh, year? You would hope, you would hope so. Um, I think they just, you know, they put all that uh, draft capital into QB1 <laughs> and I think they needed to, they couldn't cut him. And so when Rogers went down, they were like, all right, we're forced to fuck around and find out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're forced to do it. Like they didn't want to do it. That's why they signed Rogers. Right. Um, but they were forced and they were like, okay, we've got to really see if this is the future or not for once and for all. I'm just laughing. Cause you so casually call him QB one. And well, everyone knows he's QB one. You talking about Zach Wilson, obviously. Of course he's QB one for what he did for many, for different generations of human beings. It is time. You know, I mean, of course he is. <laughs> multi-generational. Yeah, he's a oh, multi-generational man. talent, you know, and all he's right. he's doing God's work. So, no, all right. Wait, so- wait, wait, wait. A little pause right here. A little pause right here. I just want to let everybody know right now, this is a uh, collaborative podcast. Um, I'm sitting in for Jeff Erickson. I'm Alan Soslowski along with Chris Liss. And you could find all of Chris Liss's work. And many of uh, the loyal listeners to the podcast know Chris Liss from his decades of work over at RotoWire. But right now, Go over to Real Man Sports, and you can find all of Chris List's content or his uh, his podcast, the Chris List Podcast, which talks about all issues going on in the world. All right, you're up at pick 10. Yeah, I think I'm going to pivot to a running back, and I haven't looked into it that deeply, but I think I'm just going to take B. John Robinson. I, I feel like a lot of times the rookie gets this bullshit treatment. Adrian Peterson shared carries with like Chester Taylor, in with the, for the Vikings, you know, they always are just like, okay, let's give this guy, you know, Jonathan Taylor took him till the end of his rookie season to kind of turn it on. And his second year was when he, you know, blew it out of the water. So give me Bijan Robinson at number 10, Arthur Smith may not even be around next year. If he is, he may, you know, just sort of need to build around Robinson again. So give me Bijan Robinson. If Arthur Smith is there, would that maybe back you away from Bijan a little bit, or you'd still go in? Probably still go in. He's been pretty stubborn this year, like what he did this week and losing the game. But, um, but you know, especially they'll have a better quarterback. Desmond Ritter is just, you know, the nut low pretty much for a starting quarterback. And uh, what's the name? Taylor Heineke is not the answer. So they will have another quarterback next year, I'm pretty sure. And so the offense itself will be better. The offensive line is good. And they have weapons. And I think Bijan will be, you know, once the things start flowing, um, I think it'll be obvious to use him and he could easily be the 1.1. He could be the guy that you're like, oh man, I took McCaffrey at one, one, but Bijan just destroyed him. And that, that's so easy to see next year. Yeah. This is, this is the reason right here. Just think in your head. If you're listening to this, who is the next pick? There's guys that you would take, but no one that you really want to make your first round pick. Just a quick review. CMC goes one CD lamb two. Justin Jefferson, Tyree kill and, Ch- and uh, Jamar chase round out the top five, AJ Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown uh, six and seven. I think that's a clear like first round pick tier break right there. Then you have Stefan Diggs. I took Garrett Wilson and then, List takes Bijan Robinson at, at pick eleven. If I'm going to take a running back, I want a workhorse with a little bit more certainty, or I just want like steady Eddie at wide receiver. I mean, this is where last year I was comfortable taking like Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like you, you made the perfect comparison, to J- uh, Jarvis Landry. If not, if everything stays the same, I'm just going to take Travis Etienne. You know, I mean, it's not. I could take him at pick fifteen, or I could take him right here. This is who the player I would feel comfortable building my team around. 
but I, I don't love it. So Travis Etienne at pick. Etienne should have been better. You know, he got the work. He was the guy. They threw to him a little bit. He should have been better. Like he was doing well, but like the Jaguars offense is just not consistent. Like it didn't take that step. You thought with Calvin Ridley, you know, okay, Trevor Lawrence in year three, this is going to, this is it. And it just didn't really happen for the whole offense for some reason. I don't know why they just couldn't really uh, play consistently. And that obviously affected Etienne. It's a fine pick. I think we are kind of in no man's land now where you could take almost anybody at this point and, you know, defend it. Well, uh, it's, you know, it is, it's that pit, the next 10 picks are all kind equal. of the same. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, so there, I guess the case for a late round pick is that you're going to get two guys before the, the early guys are in another tier below. So that's the only, I, I would just want to take one of the top five guys. Basically. Seven. Seven yeah. is good. Even, even, yeah, top seven, um, because all these guys are the same. And so, you know, I, I feel kind of dumb even saying any of these guys, cause they're like, I wouldn't really want them where they're going. I, I guess, what are we a pick 12 now? Well, so you're picking on the turn now. Keep that in mind. So you're making right. two picks. So, right. and you know, do it in the order that you think they should go. Not like, you know, sometimes you take the second guy first just to like, it looks good on paper that changes ADP. Yeah. Um, this is really tough. Uh, this is like, you know, I'm sure things will get a little clearer when we get deeper into it, but um, man, I, I guess I'm taking Saquon one more year. I don't know. We don't know where, where he's going to play next year. Well, let's, where do you think he's going to end up? He's let's presume he's a complete free agent. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea whether the giants will try to sign him for a couple years, like a two year deal or somebody else will take a chance. Obviously, the Giants are a huge mystery. Like, is Daniel Jones going to be healthy? He's going to be competent. Are they? Is the line going to be as bad as it was this past year? There's definitely better situations that he could wind up in. You know that that could make him, you know, a top seven pick if he if he's in the right situation. They're like, he's the workhorse. He's got some mileage on him. He's been hurt a bunch, but he's healthy now. And his ankle injury was just you know a few games. It's not like it's a lingering thing. So, I'll take Saquon at pick twelve, which I'm not thrilled with so no matter now this is the only time you have to think in terms of this is your team but it doesn't really matter because right pick any right, position right and right it's the first two rounds and i'll take jonathan taylor with the second yeah. pick um i i feel like taylor um got back healthy then he you know had this random hand injury whatever it was thumb injury but that's not going to affect him next year um the team's going to have either richardson or Minshew, probably richardson back um as the starter and you know it's a, it's an it's a team that shouldn't be garbage. It's in a softish division. So give me uh Taylor and Barkley at the turn. All right. I think those are both worthy picks and even above Travis ETN, there's one player I probably would have taken. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take him here at 14, but again, I would have taken this player 11. That's Kyron Williams. Let's assume I'm again, I'm making a leap. We're only drafting today for next year. Right? So I'm assuming Stafford back. I'm assuming the whole gang is back. Even after Kyron Williams fumbled and lost two fumbles this week, list he still got the full workload. Like he is their guy; they love him, and he produces for fantasy. So at pick fourteen, Kyron Williams is going to be my pick. So I thought about him. I don't like that he's one hundred and ninety-four pounds. I, I feel like yeah, yeah. that is a you know is he going to make it to the year? now? Taylor got hurt. Barkley got hurt this year, so it's not like <laughs> being big saved them. You know, it's just that I almost feel like it's impossible. I mean, there was work done, right? And a chain is now there, and there's some there's some small backs. It's kind of a trend now, but usually those guys are like paired with someone else. He missed you know? time. 
Though Kyron missed some time. He missed some time this year, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like it's almost impossible that he could play the full year. Whereas Barkley probably get hurt again. Same with Taylor, but it's possible they could have that McCaffrey year, you know, where I feel like Kyron, man, it's just going to be hard at that size, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's a new era and you can't, you know, hit people as hard or whatever. But anyway, that's, that's the only reason I didn't take him, but he's obviously in a great situation. And he gets all the work. I mean, you agree that Kyron would have been one of the next three picks. I almost took him ahead yeah. of, uh, ahead of the two guys I took. I, I just, it's just the only thing was the, the BMI was the only thing that kept me, uh, that made me take the bigger players, but you know, he's obviously got the fresher legs. All right. You're up at pick 15, which basically is 2.3 in a 12 team draft. Yeah. I feel like this is a little of a reach. Well, there's two guys I like here. Everything's there's, a reach at this point. There's two guys I like here, but I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Kenny Walker. Kenny Walker to me is just so good. Like I watched the guy play. He's just, he's just like the quickest back in the league and he's fast and Charbonnet's there and Charbonnet will get, you know, 30, 35% of carries. But I think Walker when healthy is the clear starter and he can also catch some passes. He doesn't catch as many as I'd like, but I think in a full season, he can catch 35, 40 passes. So give me Kenny Walker. Yeah, I, I would thought Walker was going to be more of an end of the second round pick, but yeah, everything you said, I I love that guy. He he was my uh, before they drafted Charbonnet, like was my keeper dynasty RB one. I mean that that's a little high, that's a little rich, but you saw what he did once he's healthy, man. He just he could take over a game, right? Remember Charbonnet's just a second. I mean a second round running, he's solid, but like there's no like if if Kenny Walker's Kenny Walker, Charbonnet's just a guy. He's just a backup. He's just another player. Like they don't they don't owe him like. X amount of workload. Now, if Walker gets hurt, which he might, then, hey, now they've got another good running back. But I don't think it's important where he got drafted. All right. Uh, quick second round review. Chris Liss at the turn. We'll go back to the first round. 112 takes Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. I took Kyron Williams. Ken Walker goes off the board. And then I'm taking Brees Hall for the, you know, the same reasons that I explained earlier with Aaron Rodgers being back. Now, Brees Hall, it's it's the Jets are basically dead, right? If if the quarterback play goes under again, Brees Hall is bad. But la- you know, last year, Brees Hall would have been a top five pick if Aaron, you know it had Aaron Rodgers. Well, I was going to say, where did Brees Hall? Oh, right, had he not been injured, he was injured right. the year before. So I think this is about the right value on Brees Hall if you're good with Rodgers. If you're not good with Rodgers, then this is probably a little bit. There's other guys you'd probably rather have. I think Brees Hall's stock went down this year, um, not just because of the quarterback. Obviously, you know, the quarterback's iffy that next year. But but maybe in these two years off the ACL, he'll be an, an absolute monster um, in 2024. But he just, you know, he looked good early on, and then he just wasn't that good. And I know a lot of it's because they could key on the run and they didn't have to worry about the passing game much. But, you know, the great running backs – seem to overcome that. You know, it's not like people were scared of the Tennessee passing game in the last five years and Derrick Henry didn't have a problem. So yeah, I like Brees Hall, but I'm, I'm like, maybe he's just pretty good. You know, maybe he's not that good. Okay. I'm going to take uh Jameer Gibbs then after Brees Hall. That was the guy I almost took instead of Kenny Walker. Jameer Gibbs catches uh, way more passes and maybe I should have taken him ahead of Walker for that reason. Obviously Montgomery's probably still there and, and gets a lot of work too. Lions have a good offensive line, good offense in general and Gibbs will be trusted more in the second year. So give me Gibbs. Yeah, I almost, that that was the other player who I was thinking about. I like that we're, we're in the same zone uh, as, you know, of who we're taking. Uh, Gibbs is just, 
it's funny. You had said this earlier I, uh, that Gibbs is basically having the season we thought Bijan would have, and Bijan is more or less having the up and down that we thought Gibbs would have with Montgomery there, maybe a little bit better than that. So uh, it just shows that scheme is important, right? Yeah, it's funny. Bijan, it seems like he's been terrible, but he's actually got <laughs> 1,120 yards. He'll probably have 1,500 yards by the end of the year. Um, and he'll, you know, and he has seven touchdowns or probably have eight or nine. Um, and it's like been a total bust because he's a first round pick, but that was, yeah, you're right. That's what we thought of from Gibbs and Gibbs is not, you know, Gibbs is doing about the same actually in total, just that Gibbs has been better lately. Yeah. It's you're saying I'm right, but I'm right. Quoting you. (laughs) I was quoting you about, uh, about, yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you, but I think they're, they're having about the same season. Well, you're agreeing with you. Yeah, because I <laughs> yeah. maybe that's what I said earlier. Yeah, you know, you said it. I, I bit it yeah. off you. So uh, there. Okay. Yeah, uh, feel free. Uh, I was. <laughs> all right. Um, I think this is this is right for Puka Nakua right here. Right. I mean, I'm taking him ahead of cup, I guess, you know, just kind of predicting the future a little bit here. But, you know, that could go wrong. We saw this week, right? Cooper Cup went nuts. Puka Nakua modest. So, you know, I. I was thinking maybe QB. Is this like the right area for that? But I, I I'm gonna have we'll have a, a QB discussion, a philosophy discussion here. So I'm gonna take Puka, given that I have to start three receivers here. Yeah, that's that's fine. I looked at him. I mean, he's, he's the young receiver who's good, right? And that's you know that's the the difference. You know that he's not gonna get worse um, just from time itself, right? And the older guys, the Keenan Allens, like you don't know that could be it for Keenan Allen. I mean, he could. Go downhill, and I, you could take Keenan Allen here, um, but I'm going to take Devonta Smith. Um, you know, he's been kind of disappointing, but like you look at the numbers, and he's got 74, 957, and six. He's going to end up with, you know, 88, 1150, and seven or eight, and you know that's that's a second round receiver who's you know 24 or whatever how old he is. So give me Devonta Smith. All right. It's if you notice so far that there's been no quarterbacks, no tight ends. And yesterday when uh, we were doing the radio show, I was talking to Nick and we were kind of going over who do you think is tight end one? We were trying to rank the tight ends for next year. And I said, the ranking almost doesn't matter. It's that these guys probably won't get taken in the first 30 picks this year. Right. I mean, maybe definitely not the first 25 picks, in my opinion, Uh, in some sort of premium format, maybe. But I think that's the difference is that. The, the, we always say every year that tight end is deep, but this year it actually it really does look deep. So it's not that we're pushing the top up; we're just sliding the whole group down. Yeah, there's no one that jumps out really. I mean, you know, Laporta, McBride, Laporta. I, I think I think Laporta's got to be the first tight end though. But oh yeah, I mean that's not even to me. That's like lock button right now because he's a rookie and they don't do anything. And and now in the second year he could be Pete Kelsey next year. I mean, as soon as next year, it's possible. So. Yeah, but so it's Laporte. Like the if you were just like top of the head, just hey, we'll get into it after this. But yeah, I, yeah. you know, it's it's an interesting conversation, right? You haven't even thought about QB or tight end yet, right? Like, no, I'm not going to take QB. I look, I mean, it worked out for me. You know, I got Prescott and Purdy in my prime time. I mean, I I just I'm not going to spend up for that. I I still think like the the long term strategy of waiting on QB is still correct because because. And this is just obvious. It's just the fact of football that um, only so many running backs and wide receivers get, you know, 250 plus carries and 50 targets for the running back, or, you know, 70 targets for the running back and for the receiver, 130, 150 targets. Only so many get those opportunities. 
So you've got to get the ones that get the opportunities because you can't produce without opportunities. Now you can get lucky and find Nakua or somebody who ends up or Kyron Williams. But in terms of your draft, the guys that you know are getting opportunities, those are the scarce commodities. Now the thing about like to get Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or whatever, it's like there's going to be lots of quarterbacks like Dak who get just as many passing attempts as those guys, if not more, uh, in the 10th round. So, you know, the there's no opportunity scarcity at the quarterback position. And so the, so you just have to find somebody who's pretty good 10 rounds later. And I just think that's always going to be the strategy unless, you know, unless Hertz was like putting up Mahomes circa 2018 passing numbers with the 14 rushing touchdowns, then you, then you get a unicorn that, um, that you, you know, you take, but I don't really see anybody like that. I, I you know, Josh Allen is close, but I don't see like a, a, you know, Lamar Jackson, if he's still getting, you know, 12 touchdowns rushing, but he's not that anymore. And the, you know, he had 35 passing touchdowns, in 2019. I don't see anyone like that. So I, you know, I'm pretty much like if one of those quarterbacks drops to the fourth round, okay, great. They're not going to, and I'll just let someone else pay for them. Well, they might this year, right? I, you, you're going to, the earliest, I can't imagine taking like Patrick Mahomes or Hertz or Allen at the end of round three, when I could just, you know, hit Lamar, Dak, uh, CJ Stroud, any of those guys uh, in yeah. round five, you know, Mahomes is, is not even getting in the first five rounds unless they get another receiver because Kelsey's going to be what 35 mm -hmm. and, and they don't, you know, Rasheed Rice is the best they can do. I mean, you can't take Mahomes with that crew. Um, out before I wouldn't even take him till five or six because I don't, I don't see like why he's better than Dak, why he's better than as a fantasy quarterback, obviously real life he's better. Um, there's just no reason to do it. Yeah. In like our, the dynasty super flex leagues I play. And the reason why I still advocate for Mahomes as the number one overall, uh, player to pick is because even in a down year. He, he's like QB six, right? I mean, that's right. the reason he's well, just super such a flex is different though. Cause floor matters, but his ceiling right now is not that high. I mean, it's just not, I mean, there's who's going to make a play for him. I mean, everything's going to be short screens and trick plays and misdirections and shovel passes. No one's going to get down the field. Right. You know, I mean, it's just it's so crazy how the pendulum goes back and forth. Like all the quarterbacks got pushed up. If you had to take Justin Herbert and like pit in round four, now he's going to be like round eight. They were taking year. an injured burrow around the three, four turn. And I was like, what are you doing? I mean, like he's hurt and it's just burrow. He's not like, you know, peak Peyton Manning it was really weird. Um, yeah. That was, that was a mistake. Well, Obviously Allen, Allen and hurts have panned out hurts with those stupid, like one yard touchdowns has really saved him. Cause otherwise, you know, he's nothing special. Um, but, I think it was a weight on QB year, but the problem is that, you know, if you got Hertz or Allen, you're like, well, who did I miss out on? You know, Devonte Adams, who did I miss out? Or, you know, who did I miss out on? Like um, Jalen Waddle. I mean, it, it wasn't killing you to miss those guys anyway. Yeah. But unless you, I mean, you, you're right. Right. Unless you landed on the right one. I mean, there was players in that range. I mean, Alvin Kamara was like a third or fourth round pick. If you paid up. Uh, no, he wasn't. He was like a sixth round pick seventh. Well, as it got down to the three game suspension, he moved up a drop. But you're right. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, like this this was the weirdest year I've ever I've ever seen for fantasy football because it really didn't McCaffrey mattered and Tyreek Hill mattered, and that was it. Okay. And then after that, I mean CD Lamb was a good pick at the end of the first. But after that, you know, it was like, Oh, did you get Rashad White and Raheem Mostert in round <laughs> six and ten? Did you get Kamara in seven? I mean, it it's like so rare that like three players outside of the top five rounds are carrying your league for you. I got it. I have the answer. And he's my next pick anyway. Like in yeah. round three, if you took one of the uh, the elite quarterbacks, you missed out on Keenan Allen. 
he is a league winner. Not last week, but at least he was out. He didn't go in your lineup and get right. zero. So I'm going to take him at pick 20. That's the guy that you missed out on. Yeah, that was a guy in round three that, uh, or round two in some cases that, but usually round three that round was, three that, that yeah. panned out pretty big this year. Debo was another round three guy that panned out. Yeah, I mean more late, but uh, but the thing is like. I've just never seen. And then Kyron Williams and Nakua were pickups, you know, that that's really rare that a pickup that free agent guys would, would do that well, especially on the same team. So it was in Stroud there. I mean, there's always a QB that comes out of nowhere. Um, uh, running backs though, are pickups and win the league type guys that happens every year. Usually it's for like three weeks, you know, it's, it's like in the playoffs, CJ Anderson or Arian Foster or somebody goes nuts in the playoffs, but it's rare that a guy that you pick up from running backs, it was like, who's that little guy? Justin Forsett. Yeah, but, you know, he didn't, like, win you the league. He was, like, solid. He was who's, an every-week starter. Yeah, uh, every was week another starter. guy? No, there was a guy on Denver. I can't remember his name. CJ Anderson? Guy. No, no, no. Denver was – that was the playoffs. Was the guy oh, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay, and that was, like, considered a great pickup, but he had, like, 1,000 yards and five yeah. – times. it was, like, nothing, right? People are like, oh, that was a great pickup. It's very rare that – the guy you pick up off waivers on the running back um, is good for the whole year, like a dominant player for the whole year. It happens that he, you know, has three good games. If it's midseason, it can really help you. If it's in the playoffs, it's even better. But usually it could be like a late round pick, but this was, you know, Kyron Williams was undrafted. Puka was undrafted in most places. And then Rashad White, I mean, you know, it was like, oh, do I take Miles Sanders, Rashad White, Alex Madison? Like, Two of those guys were totally worthless. And one of those guys, you know, was absolutely one year league. And then Mostert was the most insane because he's in his 30s. He's never had a workload. He's never stayed healthy. He's never been the, the early down, you know, RB1. And the guy's got what, like 20 touchdowns. And his backup has 10 touchdowns, you know. So it's uh, that was also one of the more insane developments but anyway all right yeah let's just do a, a short review for those uh listening on the podcast feed the second round went jt um jonathan taylor kyron williams pick uh 14 15 was walker 16 was Brees. 17 jameer gibbs puka 18 Devonte smith and keenan allen were 19 and 20 so list you're up at pick 21 yeah it's so funny that we're not going to take rashad white or i'm not uh i'm going to take I will take Jalen Waddle. I, I feel like nothing's really changed, you know, when he was like a mid-second round pick this year. I mean, Tyreek went crazy, and that's where the attention is. And Waddle only has four touchdowns. But when Tyreek was out, Waddle dominated this last week. Tyreek's another year older. Um, and uh, Waddle's going to finish with like, you know, his 83 catches, 1,100 yards, and five or six touchdowns. That could easily be eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns in a, a better year. So give me Waddle in your year three or four of his career. Yeah. On the season waddles, uh, his overall ranking. Let me see after that big week, where did he jump up to waddle is still pretty low. He's night wide receiver 19 on the year. Yeah. But the difference between him and wide receiver 10 is probably like 10 points. You know, it's not, right. it, it, it's not like to me, this is just a variance thing. Like waddle still waddle. He's still this. It, it, nothing has changed for him at all, except he's a year. He's in his prime even more. So, I mean, I guess he's already in his prime year three already. So right. he's, he's 15 just his... points behind Devonte Adams at wide receiver 13. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, your point is valid. Yeah. Negligible. Yep. Um, side topic here. Who would you rather have tank Dale or Nico Collins? Not at this pick just overall next year. Probably Collins. Cause tank Dell is so small. Um, tank Dell definitely maxed out 
everything. Uh, and CJ Stroud seems to really like him, but, um, and we are in an era where littler guys are, are doing damage. Like, you know, the, all these slight receivers are more productive, but you remember like Darnell Mooney was like a thing and, and Jerry Judy and those guys haven't lasted, you know, they, they were productive for a little bit. So I would take Nico Collins. All right. Uh, you mentioned his name. I'm glad you didn't take him, but Rashad white. I mean, that was, you know, I mean, he was in this group of players that I'm taking. It's as long as no one likes him as like a skill player, but you know, opportunity he's produced. He's a top five running back. I mean, he was going in the next five picks. I'm just taking him here because, um, of the pass catching upside as well. Uh, I don't see, and like I said, he's only 24. He'll be 20. He's one of the older rookies from a year ago, but 25 years old, he's still within that zone where I don't think they're going to, that's not the problem they're probably going to address. In fact, they, they cut Keyshawn Vaughn, right? They're like shedding depth. They're not adding depth this year uh, as they make a playoff run. Rashad White at pick 22. You're on the clock at pick 23. Yeah, I'll take, I never really liked this guy coming in, but I'll take him. I'll take Chris Olave. I mean, he's been okay. And he's been banged up. Um, I think he missed at least one game. But he's more or less the guy that we thought he was. It just didn't quite click. You know, Carr was banged up. He was banged up. There was some inconsistency. But um, he's got 116 targets. He's going to finish with 140 targets. And a skilled guy who can get down the field at 140 targets, I'll take him again. All right. So for this last, yeah, and I love that too. And, and even if, well, by the way, who do you want to be the quarterback? I mean, Carr is probably locked in. Are you, you, I'd rather it be Jameis. I don't think Jameis is a professional quarterback anymore. I think he's a, I, I saw that game where they were trying to come back against the, uh, forget the team they were playing, but they got down and they started mounting comeback and then Carr got concussed and Jameis just kept throwing the ball behind the guys. I think Jameis is just like, he, he's, you know, he's, Drew Locke, you know, but maybe worse, you know, and uh, I know that everyone's praising that like ridiculous interview of Drew Locke. It was fine. It was a nice interview. It was touching that the guy, you know, was appreciative of his, you know, his surprising win and comeback and success. But like, it was like, that was an amazing interview. It was a pretty, you know, run of the mill interview. Um, people are just so used to like, you know, crap uh, that that was considered like some work of art. But, um, but I was happy for Drew Locke, but I think Jameis is basically, you know, Drew Locke at this point at best, you know, and, and I know Drew Locke just had a good game. I, I'm laughing my my ass off here because I love that you point out the absurdity of all the people who they celebrate these NLM things all the time, you know? Like, it's so embarrassing. It's like, it's like, it's like everything's signaling, like nothing's real. Like if somebody makes like an amazing play, like that T Higgins touchdown where he like swiped. Okay. Like that was really cool. That was a really incredible play. He outlet the DB swiped his hand back for the touchdown in a close game. That was a big deal. But these like run-of-the-mill things that people start to jump to praise, and it's not because that interview was anything special. It was just your run-of-the-mill, like, I'm so grateful my teammates did it. It was just the boilerplate shit. But he was clearly like, you know, you could tell he was clearly like, you know, excited about what happened. But they run to praise it because it's all signaling. It's not about the thing that happened. It's about how do you look praising the correct thing. And I was just so curious. I was like, I, I listened to the interview because I was like, this is an amazing post-game interview. And I was like, it's okay. It was fine. I, I don't, I just didn't get it. And but it, it makes a lot more sense when you explain it in terms of, I don't know, it's not about the interview. It's about how the person praising the interview comes off to his audience on, on social media. Oh, it's, it's I'm just I'm deep breathing because it is true. Uh, a lot of that and social media has only amplified that. All right. I'm going to make the next two picks and then, you know, we'll close this thing up. But I'm just curious before I do, 
Let's say you were me and you have uh, Christian McCaffrey as your number one overall player. You're on the turn here. Who are the two players you would pick? Now, I want you to think in terms of you took McCaffrey. Let's see if my strategy of taking a running back over receiver pans out, and then I'll make the real picks. Yeah, um, it's pretty ugly here. I would, I might take Metcalf, even though I'm a little soured on him with one of them. They just throw to him a lot. and you get two picks. Still, yeah, I might take Metcalf with one. And then with my second pick, man, um, I can't take A-Chain here. I, I, that's like the really aggressive pick. And especially since you have McCaffrey, you definitely don't need that. Pick. Well, I don't think it matters. I mean, I think if you have two, you know, really good running backs, that's that's really good too. But I guess I, I'm taking, uh, I, I guess I'll, I, I'll take Metcalf. I hate that pick, by the way. You hate Metcalf, but yeah. I mean... He's going to get his, his 135 targets, I think. Or you just yeah. think is going to just cut in. I think Lockett will be the guy that's gone or not. Well, relevant. he's under contract one more year. They can't get rid of him this year. I mean, they can. But, I, but he'll be the guy that gets phased out in terms of like his, his role. All right. I, uh, while you're thinking it through, I, I was thinking Cooper Cup, Michael Pittman, those guys. Yeah, Pittman's probably a good pick because there's really... Wide receiver 10 on the year. Yeah, and there's no one else there. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Alec Pierce... Makes plays, but they don't like to target him. Josh Downs just a so DJ yeah. Moore's possibility, right? But they might have a rookie quarterback. I just hate Chicago for pass catchers. It's just a bad. I guess Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey that one year with Cutler did well. Yeah, yeah maybe Cup, but Cup just seems like he's on the way out. You know, maybe uh, on the way points out. in your fantasy league this year, this week he got he got me he got me uh, moved me on to the next round in a big league. Yeah. He gets hurt a lot, and he's older, and, and Naku is there now. Right. Um, yeah, maybe Pittman. Maybe Pittman. So you own Pittman Metcalf is what you're doing. Yeah. The, the other guy I was looking at was uh, Devontae Adams. Yep. I mean, he hasn't retired yet. I mean, he's still, Let me he ask still monstrous early in the season. What if he ends up as a Jet, right? The Jets have talked about they want to get him. Does that just – does Garrett Wilson's um, ADP – Pick ten, whatever it is, hold. Oh, that's that's dead. No, no, no. That's they dead. get they get Adams. Garrett Wilson is like in the Jalen Waddle territory. I mean, that's Devonta Smith, right? Because now you've you've got you know the the alpha, and even if Adams has lost a step, you know by next year, he's still going to be the alpha of Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is so loyal to his guys, right? That Devonta Adams is like quintessentially his guy. He's like the Jordy Nelson, um, and so like that's. He's going to get Devontae Adams 160 targets. So I think if Adams went to the Jets, there's a case for Adams in the first round still, even at this age. Yep, totally agree on that. So I was thinking Pittman. Um, this is where I was maybe throwing around the Sam Laporta pick. But, you know, I mean, you could, if you really feel strongly about Josh Allen, nah, probably not there for all the reasons you already said. I would go Adams, actually. I would go Adams over Olave now that I think about it. because Well, that was two picks ago. Yeah, right. But I'm saying like, I think the ceiling for Adams is still pretty high. He might be too old, but if he goes to Rogers, I think he's getting 160 targets and a lot of them are going to be inside the 10 yard line. All right. So do you think Debo Samuel, they have the same setup uh, is in this? No, the problem with Debo, Debo's a really good player, but Debo, you know how many catches Debo has this year? How many catches? Don't look it up. Uh, because you said it like that. All right. So I'm not trying to yuck your yum, but I'm no, going to say right. it's low. I'm going to say 60 catches. 60. Okay. It's 49 catches. Okay. And I was, I was thinking like, cause yeah. your mind, it's like 70, right? Right. He's got, he's got 49 catches and 
The only reason Debo is even in this conversation in this first couple of rounds is because he has five rushing touchdowns. Okay. So he has 11 touchdowns total, which is very good. And this 172 rushing yards then gives him instead of 787, he's at 887 and 70, you know, he's about 950. Okay. And, but he's only got 49 catches. Now in a PPR league, he's just never going to get 80 catches Debo in that offense. And so, you know, he may always get five rushing touchdowns and that's going to be significant, but it's just a hard path. You know, Debo is averaging 16 yards a catch, right? So he's averaging like a ridiculous amount of, you know, yards per catch and he's got five rushing touchdowns. He needs to make big plays and get in the end zone. He has to, he is like the most efficient per touch fantasy player in the league pretty much. And without that, you know, Devin H he's like Devin H chain level efficiency. And he's done it before, so it's not a total fluke. I mean, he's that kind of player, but it's just a high degree of difficulty. If he loses even half a step, um, plays through even a minor injury, uh, he's, he's at big risk with the volume that he gets. All right. A quick break for the listening audience, and we'll be back right after this. And we're back uh, doing our 2024 Top 24 rankings. Uh, I'm here with Chris Liss. I'm Alan Seslowski. All of Chris Liss's content can be found over at realmansports.com or, of course, the Chris Liss podcast where he talks about all different social issues, issues going on in the world. Uh, just we're, we're rounding out our conversation here about the top 24. None of us, ha- neither of us, have taken a tight end. Um, so let's just go through who are the top, in any order, let's just tier them. Who are the top five tight ends, you think, for 2000? 24. I mean, we agreed on Sam Laporta is one, not necessarily the ranking, but he's probably our top guy. Is it Hawkinson? Is it, uh, is it Travis Kelsey still at 35 still in that top five? Give it, list my list that top five down. So I think there's a top five with a sixth guy that could be, but I think it's more speculative. I think there's a clear top five, which is Laporta, Hawkinson, Kelsey, Kittle McBride. Okay. I think that's the top five. And I think Kincaid is like, you could say he's going to take the step. He's going to be the number two there to Diggs in his year two as a tight end. He showed already that he's reliable. He can catch healthy Andrews, healthy Andrews. Oh, I forgot about Andrews. Uh, he's just been banged up and he's older now. He's 28. Uh, yeah. I, it's young for a tight end actually. Yeah. I guess you got to throw in Andrews. So there's a top six and then, and then Kincaid would be, you know, sort of the seventh. Uh, if he takes the leap, but it's speculative. I'm not big on Goddard. I think Ferguson's just okay. Um, Schultz, you know, is fine, but nothing special. Ingram. Can I I offer one more guy? Yeah. From week seven to 15 this year, the tight end one is David Njoku. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, yeah, he could be, he could be at tight end one list. He's also got, he's fourth in targets, fourth or fifth in targets on the year in tight end. So he, he gets a lot of looks. There's not any depth at that receiver spot. It's older Amari Cooper. It's Elijah Moore. Who's never really panned out completely. And it's in Joku. That's it. Right. And you know, um, we might have to massage the rankings a bit if Deshaun Watson comes back <laughs> and, and move in Joku up. So I think, I think that's good. I like Fryermuth still. I mean, I think Pittsburgh's, you know, got to get the quarterback sorted, but Fryermuth was hurt. He came back, had a monster game. That's a guy I would take in the f- 13th round uh, all day next year. I didn't hear Kyle Pitts's name. I mean, Let's say that we go back to the same situation here. Where is Kyle Pitts? Is he fifteenth? Is he is he just yeah, cross him off the list? No, he's a guy you still roster just in case. But I feel like he's going down not quite the OJ Howard path, but it's uh, 
at least he's not going down the OJ Simpson path. I was, but, I was say it. I was but he's say not, it. he's more going down the OJ Howard path. I wish he would have done the OJ Simpson. That would be epic. But uh but the but the thing is like you know, it's been a few years, you know, it's not like, it's like Jerry Judy. Oh, Jerry Judy. He's a first round pick. He's going to blow up this year. It's like, when, you know, when is he going to blow up? Like, when is that first round talent going to pan out? And, you know, I'd like to get him out of Atlanta and, and put him in a real offense and see what happens still. But now you're really, it's really speculative, you know, with like Kincaid, you're like, okay, he got his rookie year under him. He's banged up for a while. He looks like a player. Now we'll see in year two, but Pitts is like year four now. So you're like, okay, I guess. Yeah, I would I have, still draft Pitts. I, you know, outside the 10th round, um, round 10, 11, 12. Sure, I'll have a share of Pitts just for the hell of it. Why not? I have the answer for Atlanta, by the way. You know, because last year, the obvious answer to get Pitts, you know, and all these guys going was to trade the two first round picks with Lamar Jackson. They were They came out like right off the bat and said, we're not doing that. Fine. Pay Gardner Minshew like an elite quarterback, even though he's not an elite quarterback on a one-year contract, meaning give him $38 million for one year. So it's not even a question. He just comes there and it's only a one-year deal. Say, hey, we'll give you the two-year, you know, 40, or you could just get the one-year 35-er and just come here and, and, you know, see if they can win. Yeah, I mean, you look at like what Brock Purdy's doing in San Francisco. Baker. and you're, Yeah, Baker Mayfield, and he doesn't even have great weapons, Baker. But, uh, but Brock Purdy's doing like, you know, that's my argument the whole time is quarterbacks don't matter, right? If you have Mahomes, it matters or Josh Allen, but for the most part in this day and age where you can't touch the quarterback, uh, where the quarterback can slide after running, you know, all these, all these rules that favor the quarterback, uh, you just need competence. You just need to avoid incompetence and then put a good system around him. Now, I don't know about the offensive system there, you know, like whether Arthur Smith, he, he did have success in Tennessee with Tannehill. So you know, maybe the system's good enough. They just have to get just a, maybe the whole thing that's dragging it down isn't really so much Bijan versus Algier. It's like versus Pitts versus Johnny Smith. It's just the quarterback is so poor. It's below the threshold for a functioning offense. And if you get a quarterback that's above the threshold, like Minshew um, or anyone like that, then the whole thing transforms. It may just be that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with that. The other guy, obviously, that I like in the, you know, 12th round is, is Darren Waller. Um, he's a flat tire in the fifth round, which I found out this year, but in the 12th round, who cares, right? You should, you should be drafting Waller. You should be drafting Pitts. You should be throwing darts at guys who have top three tight end upside, which they both do. Yeah. The other player just going back to, and I like, I love that you call that Waller, but I'm a little, he, he won't, you won't have to take him as a top. You'll probably take him as tight end 11, right? Cause people are just going to have no, that. I mean, he's not in the top 10 rounds. I mean, maybe if, you know, everything was good in the preseason. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I mean, you know, it, it all matters the round, right? Because if you're drafting someone like Waller around nine, that you're giving something up, you know? And if you draft around 11, you're sort of like, okay, let's roll the dice on this. Um, I, I The thing about tight ends is they can play 29, 30 is the peak for tight ends. 28, it may start to be, it may start to change now with Laporta being good as a rookie, but usually the tight ends take, you know, Njoku's at his peak now. How many years has he been in the league? Like it's, it usually takes a few years for them to really, get going to their peak. Look at Evan Ingram. Took him five years before he was good. It's funny you say Ingram. We were talking about Ingram last night, and he really is the test case for Kyle Pitts, where good rookie year, Kyle Pitts, good rookie year too, then just falls off the map for fantasy and then goes, gets that one-year prove-it deal with a team that can basically be the baseline of competency, and now he's back to being a top-five producer again. So that could be the map for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, the problem with Ingram 
uh, he, he was always like, you know, he's faster than Kyle Pitts, by the way. He's a 4-4, but he's smaller. He's not as big as Pitts. Um, but the problem is he can't block, always got hurt, always made the, the sickest drop on fourth and 10, perfect pass, dropped the ball, game over. You know, the, he was like literally the least clutch player of all time on the Giants. And he didn't do anything helpful besides catch passes. And you see him make like a great catch or like turn on the Jets and you'd be like, wow, look at this athlete. Um, but he was like Chase Claypool basically, you know? And then all of a sudden he found it in, in, so for him, it wasn't, you know, it, it was just like a mental issue. It was like such a, you know, just a disaster mentally. And now he's kind of seems like he's past that. All right. What we're going to do here is I'm going to sign off for anyone listening on the audio podcast. If you're on the video, stay with us. Cause we're going to maybe talk some non-football topics a little bit here. Right. So, uh, remember Jeff will be back with a industry guest next week on Wednesday on the road to podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our, our first pass at early 2024 rankings. We'll see you next week, everybody. All right. Thanks for staying with us here on the video. I'll cut it right there lists, uh, for, so let's get into <laughs> some of the stuff that, uh, I, I thought this was a particularly good Tuesday for you on Twitter. Um, and specifically you were addressing some of the, some of the people that that said that Trump was going to be a dictator and basically act like Stalin or or Hitler or all the you know these things and it, it, I saw you were fighting with a guy that basically quoted and said that Trump did say that he was going to become a dictator and by the way it is true he did say that but he was saying it in jest to Sean Hannity as a joke if you had right. well then this is the pattern first of all I don't I'm not really a fan of Trump right so like I think like the lockdowns that he did turning over the response to Fauci who was just a, a total charlatan and a despot, um, you know, with, with all the measures that they put in was a disaster. And I think he made a lot of mistakes. He said he was going to drain the swamp, but, you know, Julian Assange is still in prison. He didn't pardon him. He didn't pardon Snowden. So a lot of the things that he said he would do, he didn't do. Now, he didn't get us into wars. And, you know, if you remember the actual being there when he was president, nothing happened to you. People are like, oh, he's going to be Hitler. They were saying this in 2016. Right. And, and people were on Twitter openly ripping him, saying what a clown he was, what a joke he was. And none of those people got in any trouble at all. In fact, they probably got promoted at their job because everybody at their job was trained to say that by the corporate media and every, you know, uh, right thinking person was like orange man bad. So not only was he not a dictator, a fascist dictator, he wasn't even dangerous to you at all. Nobody got in any trouble, right? There was the, uh, the only thing that people say, well, what about January 6th, the insurrection, the greatest threat to our democracy of all time? Oh, you mean those uh, guys with clogged arteries, like traipsing around the Capitol that they were let into and didn't harm anybody. And one of them got shot by a Capitol police officer. And that's the only person harmed that day. Is that what you're talking about? That kind of insurrection with those unarmed people walking around with doing no damage. Oh yeah. That was very scary. I was terrified. I'm still traumatized. You know, the idea that like, but what about that? It's like, no, nothing happened to you. You at your house watching that on TV being told how scary it was, but nothing happened to you. Nothing happened to change anything, they accomplished nothing except getting, you know, very uh, unjustly and draconianly punished um, for, you know, what should have been minor trespassing uh, and they're treated like they were um, terrorists. So, so, so that was the only, you know, thing that they're hanging their hat on. It was ridiculous. So we've lived through a Trump presidency and it was like, a nothing burger. It was nothing. And just, and I just yeah, want to re-underline again. Yeah. You were not a fan of Trump. You were no. You're, you're I just, don't like just, Trump. You're just no, I don't like commentary Trump. on what you've observed on social media. I'm from both sides. They're both like extreme viewpoints. Well, my 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 only point is there is an obvious 
operation underway where they're trying to make people very terrified that if Trump gets elected, it's going to be Hitler. Okay. But they did that in 2016. And the same people who told you that, and then it totally wasn't the case because you lived it. Are you going to believe your experience of being in the US during his presidency where you actually nothing happened to you at all and you were totally fine? Or are you going to believe the people that lied in 2016 and told you it'd be Hitler because they wanted their person to win? And now they're saying the exact same thing again, and yet you're believing them all over again over your own experience, over the evidence that you actually lived through? I mean, this is truly delusional. And these people are like calling me a conspiracy theorist. I'm not theorizing. I'm actually telling you about evidence, about experience that you had and I both had, and nothing happened to either of us. Nothing happened. Say anything you want about Trump, nothing happened to you. And now you're theorizing that, but this time he's going to turn into Hitler, even though they said he was going to and he didn't. This is the time. You are the one in a crazy conspiracy theory, not me. I'm just simply going by like the, the obvious evidence that was in front of everybody's face. And he did do some stupid things. Like the lockdowns were really bad, but you supported those by the way, fearful person that you are. You liked the lockdowns. You wanted everyone to have to mask and take medicine against their will. So his worst thing that he did, that was actually something you supported. So, right. um, so don't, you know, you can't use that as the thing. I mean, not for me, that's the reason I wouldn't vote for him because that was a catastrophic, uh, decision that he made it. And I wouldn't vote for him for that reason. But for you, that's what you liked. So I don't see why that's making you afraid. So these people are they're so brainwashed because the new messages make these people afraid. Now in Colorado, they just knocked him off the ballot, which is really stupid because it's like, oh, the most popular front runner for president, we're going to say you're not allowed to vote for him. Oh, to save democracy. So in order to save democracy, they literally kicked the democratically most popular guy, according to the polls, off the ballot. This is like we're in the inverse world, right? Where yeah. democracy is not letting you vote for the guy that the populace, not letting the population pick the guy they want to save democracy. How you're worried that he's going to overthrow democracy if he gets elected, but you're literally doing it now to prevent him from doing it, which is just a conspiracy theory on your part because you don't know what he's going to do. All you know is during his presidency, everything was cool. We weren't at war with uh, Ukraine. We weren't uh, trying to get Ukraine. I mean, we weren't in a proxy war in Ukraine. We weren't trying to get Ukraine to join NATO and provoke Russia. We weren't doing any of that shit. Why did Russia not invade Ukraine when he was president? Because he wasn't trying to push uh, Ukraine into NATO at their border. He wasn't doing that. So they didn't have any reason to invade. So they didn't invade. None of the shit that's going down now happened when he was president. It was mostly peaceful. We weren't invading other countries, we weren't in proxy wars. And although he was far, far from an ideal president, it's way better than the disaster we have now with mandated medicine and, you know, all these in insane border policies and, you know, people coming over the border, you know, in millions at a time illegally and nobody knows who's coming in. I mean, this is, this is a, a, a catastrophic um, administration. This, this and Bush were the two worst in my lifetimes. And, and the, the fact that people are so afraid of Trump is just propaganda. I mean, you're, you're literally, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I'm really afraid he's going to take over. You have been brainwashed. Your brain has been hacked. All right. And, one one um, thing I was going to tell you, like when you do your Chrysalis podcast, sometimes I wish you would explain some of the things that you take for granted that you already know. Like when you talk about Trump being knocked off the ballot, just to explain to anyone who didn't see that Col uh, uh, Colorado took him off the ballot for some insurrection law. So he won't be on the ballot. Can people still write him in, though? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I don't think that's going to hold up. So I don't think it really right. matters. But basically, like some uh, Supreme Court in Colorado ruled based on the 14th Amendment, some very obscure thing, that there's some insurrection law, even though he's not been uh, convicted of any of any crime of doing any of that stuff. This is just, you know, this is just accusation. There's no, um, there's no conviction of that. The thing that he's being tried for now, 
um, is, you know, some very ridiculous, like he misstated the value of Mar-a-Lago. Again, I'm not a fan of Trump. I, I'm just basically a fan of a democracy and letting people actually choose who they want to vote for. And Trump may be a, a horrible second term. I don't think he had a great first term, to be honest. I think he really botched the COVID response, which was the biggest thing. But um, but the things that you're that I hear people saying and that I see in the media are just it's just propaganda. It's absurd. Yep. And the fact that a court is literally um, subverting the democratic will of the people in advance in a state, it, which it won't stand. It's just going to make it worse. It's going to make it more popular. Um, is and the, the fact that people are cheering this on is is just it's pathetic. Like you're pathetic. Like you don't believe in democracy. You're just well, a pathetic here, me, person me... that only cares about your emotional comfort and you have no principles whatsoever because if they were like kicking some um, other person off the ballot, um, that would just be, it, it would be subverting democracy. So it's just, I, I just, well, let me, I, let me interrupt. I've lost, I've lost respect for a lot of people. I'll just say Okay. That. Well, let me ask you this because I noticed this in your Twitter thread. Is there a way to persuade people without, and again, I'm not critiquing you because I, feel the same way about right. that but like instead of calling them brainwashed and this that because that's not going to persuade them right I, I don't think you can persuade them i think those people who are like you know i you understand I'm what tweeting. i'm saying though right yeah i, I see I'm, it in yes, your threats a lot I, I other do. people defending you by calling them libtards uh, yeah I, I don't i don't like those posts when they say libtards i think that's yeah. bad persuasion okay i think it's poor persuasion but the people so like i'm not in other people's mentions like you're a fucking idiot blah blah blah. i don't do that i just post what i want to say and these people get my mentions they stay in your lane da, 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 you know they they come at me okay so so those people right that are so those people are brainwashed because they're literally telling me that i should be scared from something they heard on their tv some misquote out of context quote and i'll give you the other one that I'll that I'll tell you that that's that Scott Adams always talks about this. And I don't love Scott Adams either, but he has a one is good it, point. Scott Adams is what a hard right. Dilbert, the, no, he's not oh, hard right. No, he's not, he's a cartoonist. He's cartoonist. the Dilbert guy. Okay. But he's right. like he makes good political commentary. He's Infor informed, informed political commentary. Yeah, I don't love Scott Adams either. I have a lot of right. beefs with him. But but he was the guy who said Trump was going to win in 2015. Everyone thought he was crazy. He was totally correct about that. Him and Ann Coulter were the only two that said it with absolute right, certainty. Right, right. And he was like, and he had he had good arguments and whatever. And everyone thought he was a crank and, and he was totally right. Um, but but here, here's basically, the, you know, the thing. These people that are, you know, believe this out of context spin that they're getting, they are brainwashed. Like they literally are, are, are choosing to believe people who lied to them in 2016. And it wasn't how they said, again, over their own experience. And there's nothing I could say. There's no, ma I wish I had something to break the spell, some magic phrase that I could like snap them out of it, but I cannot, I don't think those words exist. I don't think it's possible. Certainly I'm not capable of it. Okay. So that those guys are lost causes. The reason I do it, I quote them is to persuade other people who are like, Oh, is he dangerous? There's a lot of people, right. Onlookers, um, onlookers. On, onlookers, and especially people like in the industry who are like, Oh, this is stressing me out. I don't want to pay attention to this. Can't we just talk about football who, um, you know, that's fine because politics is, is crap. It's horrible. Um, but they're still going to have to make decisions and, and, you know, they still will have conversations with people and have some influence. And it's those people to be like, no, 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 this shit you're hearing is crazy. And I feel like I can, those people who are sort of unsure, I can say, oh yeah, you're right. What, what he's saying makes perfect sense. We, we did live through it. Like, why am I even, you know, just shut the propaganda off to the people who are still not totally brainwashed. The people that are brainwashed, they're gone. They're emotionally locked in. There's nothing you can do. But I want to say something about these out of context things that uh, Scott Adams had a great example from the first time around. So there was that whole Charlottesville thing where they were uh, arguing about taking down like Confederate statues. Is this the remember Tiki that? Torches thing? No, no. This is uh, 
the they were taking down like Confederate statues. Yes, speak, right. Okay. okay. In fact, they in my hometown they took they renamed all the schools of the uh, Robert E. Lee is no call, no longer right. called Robert so, E. Lee High School. Okay. So okay, so so they took down these Confederate statues, right? And basically, there were some people who were very upset that they were doing that. It was their history, their heritage. And some people who thought, no, this is the South. This is the side that fought for slavery. We need to take these down. So there was this, you know, there was there was some, uh, you know, sort of these counter protests and protests and people as these things were being taken down. And Trump's quote was, there are good people on both sides. Yep. And 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 so and like also there were like white supremacists that showed up, too. Right. And he said in the interview, he said, no, 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 not the white supremacists. Absolutely not them. I mean, there's good people on both sides of this issue. People who want to have their history, right? Even though their history is far from, you know, did a lot of bad things. And people who think, no, this history is, is, is beyond the pale. We need to take down. He said, there are good people on both sides. And then he said after that, absolutely not the white supremacists, right? He said, absolutely not them. I mean, there's good people on both sides of whether these old statues should remain up. And people quoted that out of context and said he was saying there's good people among the white supremacists and the people who want to take the statues down. And that was just like boilerplate. Like people, you know, if I asked like my mom who watches that stuff, she'd be like, yeah, he thought there were good people on the Nazi side, basically. Right. And this was just like put in the media over and over again. Scott Adams pointed it out like a hundred times. Like, no, no, look at here's the full quote of what he said. And it's so it couldn't be clearer of what he's saying both sides. He's saying the people who were locals who were just, you know, that was their statue for 100 years, 150 years. That's all he was saying. You can disagree with that. That's fine. But he certainly was not saying there were good people who were white supremacists. OK. And but that was the way that it was when it was spun. And every person consuming that media just thought, oh, that's what he's saying. And this is I didn't even listen to the comments, but I'm almost positive because I didn't listen to the interview. That is the exact same thing. They just took it out of context, made it seem like, oh, he's going to kill everybody who disagrees with him. He's going to be a dictator. And, and they just don't, you know, put in the context or whatever. And the context, if you actually saw it, I'm sure is that. And, and the reason I believe that is because I lived through his actual presidency where he didn't do any of that. I cannot tell you. I don't know if, you, if you're uh, old enough to remember this, Alan, but from 2016 to 2020, most people, certainly in the fantasy sports industry, were on Twitter literally savaging Trump at every turn, calling him a racist, calling him a white supremacist, calling him Hitler, saying he's the worst, saying he's corrupt, saying he should be put in jail, saying he colluded with Russia, which is the total bullshit. He did saying that that was a certainty and nothing happened to any of you. You got promoted at your company. Your colleagues thought you were a hilarious guy and brave for taking on Trump or nothing. nothing. It, just, it was like an, un, it was a non-event. You just said it and then you went on with your life. No, well, you, you also fit in better with your social and professional circles. Because wouldn't have they happened all, in Nazi Germany in 1939, by the no, way. No, it wouldn't have happened in uh, present day North Korea. It wouldn't have happened in places <laughs> where there were real dictators. If I were in Russia, I don't know enough about what's really going on in Russia. I wouldn't be on social media, like slamming Putin all the time. Right? Like I wouldn't be this. You, there was no consequence. So like, you literally lived through that and probably made a snarky post about him yourself, brave as you were to, to risk your life doing that. And nothing happened to you. So to me, like, I don't care who you vote for. Vote for whoever you want. I mean, I think Biden is like the worst president in my lifetime, maybe he or Bush, but it's your vote. It's not my vote. I'm just saying, like, I see people being absolutely brainwashed and propagandized. And I'm going to say something because it's it's just it's it's a travesty. Like the 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 state of um, of the corporate media and the state of people's understanding of what's going on in the world is like, I think it's probably worse than it's ever been. I think that's fair. And uh, for that and uh, 
If you want to hear more of Chris Liss every week, man, he puts out a great podcast talking about all this kind of stuff. That Thank you. And by the way, I don't talk that much about politics. Like I hate politics. I'm just, this is more like an epistemic issue. Like yeah, not but, updating your, not updating your information, not, you know, listening to liars who you already know, you know, everything they've told you has been falsified rather than your own experience. It's not really, I don't care. I'm not like, Oh, vote for him. If I had to vote for somebody, he'd probably be RFK, but even him, I'm not really trusting. So don't worry. I don't care. I'm not like stumping for any of these people. I don't give a shit. I just don't want this current regime. I want anyone, but you know, literally anyone, but like the current sort of, in my opinion, just sort of like oligarchy regime. That's like putting up some empty suit to like, you know, military industrial pharmaceutical complex regime, whether it's like RFK or whoever it is, DeSantis, who might be that too. I don't know once they get elected, but I, I'm not like, I'm not into the, into the politics that much. Yep. So uh, the Chrysalis podcast, they'll talk about everything from, you know, the financial system to Bitcoin, bit, you know. everything. So all that different kind of stuff. It, it's a it's appointment listing. I wish you'd promote it on Twitter, but, you know, that's, you fine. know, but you if you link to something on Twitter, it, it doesn't go anywhere. They don't well, let me they, tell you something else that doesn't go anywhere when you don't do it on Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, you know, why beg for likes and, and, and links? Not when, beg, when it, just put it out there. And if you always it, say, hey, it's on you, there. I, my pin tweet is thanks for the nice words about the podcast. You know that, right? My pin tweet is, is well, about the podcast. Okay. All right. The last yeah. month. And, and I'll tell you something else. Um, I bought the Twitter check, by the way, yesterday. Oh, you did? You caved. It's embarrassing. I thought we were going to talk about it. It is embarrassing. This. So I went on a rant saying, you know, look, I'm a content creator. I'm the one who's building this network. Like, why the hell would I pay for this, right? And so, and I feel that way. Like, I don't want to pay. But this guy, Thierry Breton, this uh, French um, douchebag uh, who's like the EU commissioner or something, is now investigating X for mis disinformation. He's going to look into X, right? He's not looking into TikTok or these other compliant or, or Facebook or whatever, um, or Instagram with their child trafficking issues or whatever. Um but he's looking to X, right? Because because there's free speech, and I just thought, you know what? That's too good of a sales pitch. But the the tyrant is looking into this thing. I got to pay for it. So, uh, in spite of all of my, I'm a nutless monkey. In spite of all of my saying, no, no, I'm not going to pay. Your, you change your opinion. You change your. I, I still have the same opinion. Decentralized media noster is the way to go. I'm still on there six days a week, but but I just felt like I had to just pay for it just to make that dude's um, totalitarian. Kareny, that guy is like the pussification of pussification. Okay, I don't know if I can say this on the road thing. Well, like, it's, remember, it's already. Right. I'm going to cut the other part. One so day. there's pussification, and then if you pussify that, that would represent this guy Terry. It's Rithon. tree three uh, pussification. It's it's to the it's pussification to the pussification of power. It's pussification arrow arrow pussification, which is a very yeah. uh, fast growing function. And and the point is, yeah, it's tree of pussification. And the point is that this dude is like, oh, I'm going to shut down. I'm going to look, you know, like. Shut the fuck up. Like, you're just some unelected bureaucrat that everybody knows is full of shit, you know, that wants to shut down free speech because the EU cannot survive free speech. If people really knew what the EU was up to, it would collapse. Nobody would support it. It's, a, it's, it's probably worse than D.C. It's probably even worse than D.C. So this guy is, like, trying to investigate it. So just because of that, that sales pitch, I couldn't resist. The guy's his best salesman. Salesman. Maybe I'm getting totally duped, and Elon is like paying this guy to like say this stuff because people <laughs> like me are gonna like cave because he beat me. Elon outsmarted me because I went and did this, but I did it. And I'll probably cancel it because I feel gross doing it. But like these people are, are worse than whatever Elon's doing, so I, I did sign up for the All premium right. plus sixteen euros a month. Sixteen euros. Okay, yeah, that's right. They did raise it now. They did raise it. All and right. By well. the way, I tried Grok. Grok sucks. It's terrible. It's like. Chat B GTP light. It's it's crap. It's total garbage. Have you messed around on Reddit? 
it's, it's a lot of free speech over there on Reddit. And you also, it's like you earn your blue check by, you can't just like post on there or you have to get in groups and you get in groups by like making comments and, you know, contributing. And then you get like approved by the group. It's, it's Reddit. S- I still sounds think it's like a nightmare. It sounds like a nightmare. I, no, 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 but, no stores where it's at. No stores just, you just, you own your own content. You put it through the protocol. People see it. Uh, people can repost it. You can't stop anybody from saying anything. Uh, it's permissionless. It's open. It's totally open source. You can see it. There's many different clients to use. O- Noster is the best. And the people on Noster, they're a little bit like paranoid, I would say. Like they're all anonymous handles and they're all, you know, whatever, but very smart people and, uh, and quality. And you don't get that sick feeling of like the algorithm making you angry or needing to keep scrolling endlessly. It's just a very, a much more healthy feeling of using social media. So I, NOSTR is the protocol. There's different clients. Damas is good for Mac. Iris.to is good for um, for web, and uh, it's totally free, and you can start posting. It's uh, to me, it's the future, and uh, the future is coming sooner than people think. Chris List, Noster Shill. I am a Noster Shill. I really am <laughs> because it's because it's not. No one owns it. You know, it's yeah. like I, no one can pay you to promote it. Oh, by the way, you can pay. I get paid when I make a a, a snarky post. I get paid very little because it's the sats. You know, a few sats here and there, but it's real money. I've got like six bucks worth now stored up. And I, I should be paying more other people, but I'm cheap. So I just keep it for myself, but I will pay some other people. But you just get paid in uh, in Bitcoin right away for a post that you make. It's amazing. It's not like a subscription and cutting up ad fees. It's literally just peer-to-peer like, oh, I like what you said. Here's here's 10 cents. You know, Here's 20 cents. It's really good. All right. We'll be back next week uh, with another podcast, talking some football, talking some other stuff. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And have good luck in the fantasy semifinals if you made it. <laughs>